welcome to episode 1.5 of Lost and Found and Rewound. Fast forward. We are uh, in between episodes. We've just completed The Wicker Man. Just putting a little episode in between the episodes to help everybody uh, understand what we're going to do next, to give a little bit of feedback, uh, to further confuse the timeline of this podcast, which <laughs> was my I, what I was really excited about because we recorded eight episodes across the course of a year, maybe? Yeah, I, I think it was May when we recorded The Wicker Man. Yeah. And now we're recording this episode a week before we release it and a uh, three weeks after we've released the Wicker Man episode. So, I mean, come on, figure out. It's going to be so confusing. <laughs> the other thing that's confusing is that um, a world event has happened. I won't reveal too much about it, <laughs> but a global, a global event has happened. And you'll just have to figure out what global event that is. Could be World War II. <laughs> could be 9-11. Could be when um, the giant squid attacked New York. Or could have been that Trump virus. The Trump virus? Yeah. What's Trump the Trump virus? The Trump virus that happened yeah. in 2020. Never heard of it. He got Mar-a-Lago. It's like Obamacare. Virus? You got your Obamacare and you got your Trump virus. Which would you rather be associated with as a president, care or virus? Jim? <laughs> I think care. That's correct. $200. Margaret Mead. Thanks. <laughs> the Beatles? Rick, what? I'm doing my, uh, what is it called? Not dimwits. What is it called? Oh, it's amazing. It's SCTV, SCTV sketch. <laughs> the Beatles. I don't. I don't remember that sketch. It's basically the sketch they ripped off uh, Celebrity Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live from. It's just, it's it's basically Eugene Levy playing, um, what's his name from Jeopardy? But like Burt he Reynolds? does, no, no, he does a slow burn. Alex Trebek. Alex, He's basically Alex. Alex Trebek doing a slow burn through the whole thing. And Catherine, Cat O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara, yeah, just answers the Beatles to every question. I just remember Circus Lupus, Circus of the Wolves, just don't sit in the first three rows. That's my favorite. <laughs> so on the fast forward episodes, they're, they're shorter, I think. No, they're Maybe not going not. to be. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you right now because I got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what have you watched since we taped episode eight of the show? Oh, I have a huge list, but um, I need to tell you the two movies I watched yesterday and the day before. So I watched, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh-huh. I watched the 2006 Wicker Man with Ooh. Nicolas Cage. Oh. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. I was going to do that. Oh, my God. As I was watching it, I was Are you thinking, sure you don't want to start, start at your own podcast about <laughs> it? By I may, because I have a lot to talk about. I have a lot of notes. Um, Shot in For- Fort Wayne, Indiana. Is that was right? Neil LeBute? Oh, no, Neil, that's where... Yeah. Uh, in the company of men was shot in Fort Wayne, Indiana, right. at this it's, awesome zoo. It's possible. As I was watching it, I say the first three quarters, I'm going, this is not bad. This is actually pretty good. It looked pretty good for a 2006 movie. I, I like the cinematography. Um, and and basically what happens is, is yeah, Nicolas Cage ruins the end of the movie, and, and it becomes laughable. The, the tone goes from being okay and weird and then it goes over the top at the end, and I, I didn't, it didn't work, the switchover. So all the craziness at the end of the original Wicker Man, right? You felt like you had built up to that, 
Right. And, and there's some, there's lots of weirdness in the remake, but things get, he gets really sort of out there right at the end. There, yeah, there are a couple scenes that I laughed at. Like when he gets, I don't want to ruin it for you, but they, they pour bees in, into a funnel, into a cage in his head, and he yells something like, not, not the bees! Bees, why <laughs> bees? I think he yells, why bees? Um, the yeah, good things like, about it, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like spores, deadly spores. Spores, yeah, it was <laughs> like that. But in, in Existence, the spores, deadly spores, it feels funny, and it's the idea, it's a computer game, it's a video game, right? right. It's a uh, non-player character or something. Angelo Badalamente did the music, so mm. the music for it is amazing. But it's mm. that Twin Peaks kind of over-the-top mm. music. Has a boat plane, mm. a seaplane. <laughs> um, has the missing girl, his last name is Woodward, and Nicolas Cage's oh. character's name is Edward. So oh. that's weird. Um, Ellen Burstyn is Christopher Lee. There's... <laughs> I, again, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but he gets to punch a lot of women, like seriously, like violently attack them. And by the end, I felt like once again with Neil Labute, Le- is he's not just a misanthrope; he is a misogynist. I, the island is more of a matriarchy kind of thing, and the men are these hobbled. I think they have their tongues cut out, so all the men are. They can't speak. They're they're hobbled in some way, and so it yeah it just kind of fell apart at the end. And then the best part, and this ties into another conversation. I, I don't think it's in this this previous episode or the next episode. Or yeah, I think it's between the first episode and the second episode. We talk about well, we talk about the warriors in every episode. Chris, you talk about the warriors, we, right? We should we do we yeah, do we do, <laughs> and uh, our love of the warriors. So the big climactic ending of Wicker Man goes to black and then there's a title card that says for Johnny Ramone wow wow I thought you were I thought uh, it was going to be it goes to black and it says Nick Cage will return in the Warriors, kind of like at the end of those James Bond movies where they right. say like James Bond will return in Moonraker, and then he like showed up in The Spy Who Loved Me or something. But as you remember, yeah. uh, the Warriors was Johnny Ramone's favorite movie. Apparently, the reason why Nicolas Cage knew about The Wicker Man was because Johnny Ramone uh, said, "You got to check out this movie, Wicker Man." So the tragedy of wow. all of this, I think, is is basically we're probably going through Johnny Ramone's favorite movies in this this podcast and we didn't even know it and he's unfortunately no longer here because he died during the making of wicker man he could have been a guest on the show exactly i think that would have been our way in is like well we're doing something on wicker man chris likes the warriors maybe that would be enough (laughs) to get him on yeah it'd be a little segment just at the you know a little you'd be talking to corner yeah Yeah. johnny's corner and he'd be really really animated talking about the warriors and talking about wicker man and then you'll say something about sharky's machine and it'll just walk away from you that's the scene (laughs) i imagine with you and johnny ramon chris in in the alternate time line that we're living in here who's to say that interview hasn't happened or isn't going to happen right the way the time works with this podcast i mean we truly are this we really have beat time if, it is amazing. I, that's, I've been so excited about that all day today. I was thinking, I don't quite, I can't even quite get the time. Like, that's how you know a good, 
a good time movie is when you're confused as to how the timeline works, but you know it that it does. So I think we've I think we've accomplished that with this podcast. So great job, guys. <laughs> and the movie I watched last night was Midsummer. I watched it. That was on my list as well. What were your thoughts about Midsummer? Very upsetting. I think there's some interesting stuff with a bear. And so I know that Nicolas Cage had a conflict about when he could wear the bear suit in the Wicker Man remake. My theory now is, uh, what is it, Ari Aster, the guy who directed um, Midsummer, basically he was like, I'm going to show Neil LeBute how to make the Wicker Man for the 21st century. Because it's it's got a, a lot of references to the Wicker Man, but it does not feel like a ripoff of the Wicker Man. It feels like an update. It's got some uh, violence that I could, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time covering up the screen. All of the first hour is all of that. I'm in this weird place and then things really violently shift, but not in. So wait, you, you were yeah. covering up the screen because you couldn't, you can't touch your face, right? Is that is that what it was you're not just, supposed to obviously yeah instead of covering my eyes it's for some reason it's easier for me to block so i could i can block off the area where the action is happening where mm-hmm. the horribly maimed face is on the screen and then mm-hmm. i can i can still kind of watch what's going on so there's there's psychedelics involved too so it's not just simply the weird pagan culture ceremony stuff there's also well yeah but it's got psychedelics in it so i guess maybe it's kind of like got some elements of altered states maybe yeah like like inca kind of stuff or something like mesoamerican yeah (laughs) ritual stuff and jim you would like it i think i i I liked it because it's it's a swedish pagan cult so (laughs) there's uh (laughs) so instead of it yeah it's a gorgeous film Absolutely gorgeous film, uh, but I greatly disliked it. You saw it. Um, <laughs> I saw it, and I think that, uh, you know, you, you talk about this a lot on this podcast and others about the auteur, right? Having complete creative control, uh, writing and, and directing, and and he shouldn't have, compl- just like Steven Spielberg, he shouldn't have cr- complete creative control. He cannot write for shit. He, he films these beautiful gorgeous films and occasionally sets up some interesting scenarios but a his films are always rip-offs the exorcist 3 that was basically what he ripped off for that movie uh hereditary, hereditary. okay and then i mean he even ripped off scenes directly from and, and well he did the same thing here with the wicker man wicker man built to something and built to an ending that really you know it, it accomplished what it was doing it was an arrow and it hit hit its mark whether you liked the quality of how it got there i mean it was it was far worse shot far worse edited you know all the technical aspects of it were way worse than midsummer and midsummer was great but the plot of midsummer was just all that beautiful tension and gorgeous imagery and the drug trips and everything all really well done and then the end is just some blunt slasher film that i just didn't quite get the payoff um to 
in addition well i mean there was a huge hot sex scene in it i guess <laughs> but other than that i didn't uh, yeah and that that's that's the thing about it is i i didn't think it that was hot i mean it, no, it's, i didn't it's, either that yeah was a it's terrible <laughs> and i don't yeah no yeah it, it's it's one of those terrifying cult yeah <sighs> movie scenes um yeah that's interesting i i liked it well i somebody talked about it being a two and a half hour um sort of breakup movie and i think if you look right. at it in that context as a metaphor for a a, a a bad relationship and how it ends oh i like that that's a good way to look at that film other and probably the only good way to look at that film from my perspective i i just i think he needs somebody to edit his scripts i liked it better than the wicker man remake <laughs> well i would hope yeah. um so what this means, Jim, is that you have to watch it and then you have to decide who's right. Okay. And then the next, majority will rule. Next episode, I guess. That's how this podcast works. <laughs> we, we, we're here to vote against one another. I have a list of um, 18 movies that I've seen <laughs> since uh, we last recorded an episode. You want to rapid fire them? Good, bad, as you go? Gorky Park. I watched Gorky Park the day before Brian Hen Dennehy died. So Brian Dennehy is in Gorky Park. I oh. liked it. Watched Goodfellas again. I was amazed at how fast it moves and how much camera movement there is. 1917. I thought it was good. I thought it was an amazing technical achievement. I got I got a little bored. I liked I liked the death in that one too. I I guess I just like slow long movies with meaningless deaths sprinkled throughout that had an impact that def that scene definitely had an impact on me and i think it was the most impressive scene um troop zero i have in here which is some movie about a young girl who wants to get her voice on the uh um, voyager spacecraft golden record but has the most horrifying ending and i don't mean in terms of terror and everything like that but the weird everybody getting together and supporting the nerd moment was so odd and off-putting that um, mm. it's almost worth watching, even though it's just a, a junky Amazon movie. Um, I see tears in my future. <laughs> yes. Uh, that uh, would make me cry. Parallax View. I watched that again. I had to watch that again. Mm. I'm watching all of it. Never seen it. I need oh, to see it. Parallax View is a great movie. I, I always laugh when the assassin falls off the space needle. <laughs> so that's, you can watch that and, and realize what's wrong with me. Or again, realize there's something wrong with me. Trouble in Mind, which is a movie with Genevieve Bougeau, Chris Christopherson, and Keith Carradine from 1985, directed by uh, Robert Altman's second director on a lot of films. And then he made mm -hmm. um, some films in the 70s and 80s that are interesting. The Shootist, which is uh, John Wayne's last movie, Gunman Dying of Cancer, it really upset me and made me cry, and it was terrible watching the old John Wayne with cancer playing a character as a cowboy with cancer and how he's just ending his life and kind of finishing off his time in the world. It, it really messed with me. The, was it uh, like Prairie Home Companion? Have you seen that film? <laughs> I did, but I don't remember... It's about Feeling, death. It's basically yeah. Altman filming Altman's his last death. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched Boys from Brazil. Oh. oh, I need to see that too. All these I haven't seen. I need to see them all. Steve Gutenberg's in it. <laughs> 63 Up, the uh, 
next installment of the uh, 7-Up series where Michael Apted, who actually directed Gorky Park, I forgot to mention that, so Michael Apted, who directed the 7 series where they talk to these English, they start out talking to these kids when they're 7 and they've been filming them every 7 years and now they're, they're up to 63. That was another one that was really upsetting because all these people, some, some people are dying and people are getting sick because they're 63 and then you see the arc of their lives and all of that that was it's 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 always been an overwhelming series but now it's kind of like and michael apted is in his 80s so it's also their conversations uh, he's not always in in the movie but now they're starting t to talk to him <laughs> and he's starting to talk about is this the last one kind of stuff so it's it's that same thing yeah the same as the john wayne movie and same as prairie home companion I'm starting to really struggle with the concept of 20 years from now, I'm going to be incapable of many, many things or dead. Um, and that I can see how that would trouble me, but it's, it's inevitable. Angel Heart. We had talked about Angel Heart sometime and I watched that. I love that movie. Is it hold up? I haven't seen it since I saw it. Way it back does. When. I think it's problematic, but I think it was problematic when it was filmed. So I, <laughs> I think... It's it's the like you think there should be a politically correct devil figure. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There's there's no reason the 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 problematic stuff is in service of the story. So I didn't have a problem with that. Um, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Any uh, movie with Alan Arkin, I love, and so He's the best. Falcon and the Snowmen. You guys <laughs> oh, ever wow. seen that? Yeah, 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 on Beta, on Betamax. That was one of the few films when the Showtime first opened up, one of the few films they had on Beta. So I watched it several times. A great movie with Sean Penn acting. You know, some Sean Penn movies, it's not great. But Falcon and the Snowman, it's just amazing. And then Timothy Hutton's great, too. I had completely forgotten about Timothy Hutton. And, in, in like, uh, just a few years ago, I saw the uh, Roman Polanski movie, Timothy Hutton's in that. I'd completely forgotten. He showed up. It was like he came on the screen. I was like, "Oh my god!" He looks pretty much the same. Just he's older, but he looks exactly the same. And <laughs> I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah, I don't know what other movies he. That's well, those you know, movies. Those movies. He he. The one thing he does well is com computer animation. I mean, it seems obvious now when I see them, but a lot of those movies, like like the Ghost Rider one, there's all these this stuff. I saw a movie, like kind of a making of thing, little short about it, and. It's like, oh, that's all fake. It's like all these, it's just stuff out the windows, like fake scenery and things. And mm. he, he, in in the ghost, it, it, I think Death and the Maiden has a lot of that too, but it was kind of early. But he, he, he seemed to be good at doing it subtly. Like it, you wouldn't notice it was digital. It was obviously, you know, saving well, lots of money. Did, did he when work on the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> When you're a great artist and you can't leave France, <laughs> you're going to have to be good at, uh, you know, creating fake environments. Right. When you basically have to have to do all your filmmaking within within Paris. <laughs> he really loves France. <laughs> just won't leave it. Yeah, just can't leave. Can't leave France. Who would? <laughs> you live in Paris. Bugsy Malone. I watched Bugsy Malone. Mm -hmm. Oh, great Alan, film. Alan Wait. Parker film. Yeah. With the uh, kids movie, the kids movie, where yeah, I like, love that movie. Yeah, um, Chachi, right? <laughs> Isn't it? He's the Ralph he's the only actor. No, not oh, no. Ralph Macchio. No. <laughs> Scott Bayo. <laughs> Scott Bayo. Oh, and uh, what's her name? Uh, 
this minor actress from the 70s, Jodie Foster. <laughs> She's in it. The Muppet movie, Ooh. which featured Austin Pendleton, who comes up in a later episode. James Frawley directed it, who directed a lot of the Monkees episodes. Madeline Kahn's in it. Wow. She comes is, up um, in a future episode. James Coburn's in it. He comes up in a future episode. Charles no Durning's spoilers. in it. No spoilers. He comes there. up in uh, a future episode. Elliot Gould is in the Muppet movie, comes up in a future episode. So I think we may have to watch the Muppet movie again. And the last two I have on my list, I'll just lump them together, is Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin and then the Jacques Tati movie, Playtime. Pretty much the same movie. <laughs> no. Uh, Jim, Jim, what did you watch? Well, actually, yeah, like tying in with uh, Jacques Tati, I, I watched, um, there are like these three, three of these movies by the same Russian director, like he was called uh, Leonid... Gaidai, G-A-I-D-A-I, and they're like kind of like these slapstick comedies, and like from the late '60s and early '70s in color, but they're kind of like silent films too. So that's what it reminded me of Jacques Tati. It's like hmm. weird modern '60s color silent movies almost, but there's dialogue and stuff, but they're com- they're slapstick. And, but they're on. I found them on YouTube. There, there's like a Moss film, you know the state studio the moscow mos film studio they have their own official youtube channel and so they have all their old films but they have like a specific playlist of movies with english subtitles so i watched there are three of these i i don't know where i i think i'd heard of one of them before somewhere but the one is called ivan vasilievich changes professions <laughs> and then the other one the good oh the good one is called <laughs> operation y Shurik's Other Adventures, which is like, I think, three. That's the one that's three movies. But it's kind of like the same character is in all of them. He's kind of like a nerdy, very earnest and uh, right, not righteous. But it, they're all very kind of, um, they're definitely like kind of propaganda films almost. It's like being a good citizen, you know, a good Soviet citizen. And he's like, a, like one, he's like a student and studying and like engineering college or something. And it's like, you know, but... But all these crazy things happen to him, and you know they're all like very sweet, like uh, innocent movies. But they they have kind of recurring characters who I think I have a feeling we're all like probably circus performers. You know, like Russia, I think you know has all that Russian circus kind of tradition, and these guys seem like some of these people that they, they seem like they were probably clowns, but but they work in these. They, it's a you know slapstick movies, so they they're a lot of physical antics and it seemed very they were like very skilled they were like almost like vaudevillian kind of actors or something like that so but well in 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 america they have circus performers and in russia the circus performs you <laughs> <laughs> right is that is that a joke oh maybe not trying to get trying to get my yakov shtick down <laughs> i saw something with yakov Shmirna. i bookmarked that director i'm um he's on my playlist now yeah, they're they're the three. Oh, the other one was like called the. Well, there's some weird. Speaking of things that don't hold up, or well, the one one part is is definitely pretty racist. Or there, it's almost like like old you know Bugs Bunny cartoons, things that they've edited out. You know that are weird. Like, but this was like late uh, late sixties. So <laughs> the Russians, like yeah, the civil civil rights movement hadn't quite made an impact yet. Yeah, I think the <laughs> Russian civil rights movement's what about a hundred years <laughs> off from now. <laughs> 
Oh, the other, yeah, <laughs> speaking of all the Robert Altman, I tried to watch uh, Quintet again, which is his mm. sci-fi movie that he did like in 1978 or something. And I remember hearing, I had never really heard about it. And a few years ago I'd heard about it and I tried to watch it and I couldn't get through it. And then I just, a month or so ago, I was like, I never watched all of that movie. Why didn't I finish watching that movie? And I, it sounds like such a, it can't be that bad. And I, I, I didn't get through it again. <laughs> but, did you start from the beginning yeah, or did oh yeah. you start? No, I, I restarted left. it. Yeah. And did not finish. <laughs> it's, well, there's your so problem. It's not, yeah. That's yeah, it. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to. whole group of movies of his, they're like the minor ones. Yeah. I, n- I never watched that one. There's the one with, uh, Keith Carradine, right, and oh. Shelley Duvall. Thieves Like Us, is mm. that is uh, that Altman? Maybe. But Yeah, I've watched a couple of those, but not, yeah. Not, Quint- not, Quint- that's Quintet sounds like such a good idea. I keep falling for it. It's like, it's, you know, post-apocalyptic whatever, and uh, uh, like kind of like a, the earth is really cold, so it's all, uh, they filmed it in Montreal, because it is, they didn't fake the cold, so it was like really in the middle of winter in Montreal, and <laughs> they filmed it on like the island, like uh, the uh, old grounds of the uh, World's Fair, like Expo '67, kind of the ruins of that. And so it sounded like oh, such a cool idea, and they they just used the old buildings for the sets and sprayed them with water, I guess, constantly every night, so it would be covered in icicles the next morning. And it was a really wow. dangerous shoot. People were falling all over the place. I think nobody died, or maybe some people broke their legs, but the actors were walking around on all this ice-covered, you know, the old ruined buildings and things. And but yeah, it's not. I, I don't know. I don't think you, sh- you should even try. You, you know, give it a try. Go and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, it looks. Now you keep talking about it. I now I gotta, I gotta get through it to yeah, show it that. Sounds that great. It can, it can be watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. I, I read this book on John Carpenter, and they kept describing Dark Star. Oh yeah. As and it was written by a you know proponent of you know his like somebody who loved him and then when i tried to watch scenes from it i mean they're just absolute garbage <laughs> and just like they're like a beach ball is a character and then when you watch the film you're like yeah it looks like shit i mean what what an accomplishment like they were saying like isn't that amazing it's like no it's garbage make a person a character <laughs> Then again, then of course, BB-8, I guess, is just a beach ball. <laughs> now that I think about it, and I love BB-8. I also watched, yeah, Disney Plus. I, I think I talked about Disney Plus. I must have talked about the black hole. I watched that on Disney Plus. They're only, I watched Herbie the Love Bug and uh, the black hole on Disney Plus. Those are the only two movies I've gotten through on Disney Plus. There's nothing else for me on that besides the cat from outer space, which I'm uh-huh. saving for when we can all watch it together. Uh-huh. Um Season but, two. But uh, the black hole has is is a pretty good science fiction film. It's got Maximilian Shell in it, who's just mm-hmm. amazing. Like oh. Maximilian Shell, like the um, have you ever seen the uh, the Freshman with uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. So Maximilian Shell is the the crazy cook guy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, he said there were there there would be one boy and there are two. <laughs> yes, I brought my friend. He said there would be one boy and there are two. This is Maximilian Shell's amazing. Anyways, he's the mad scientist off off near the black hole. But then it's completely ruined by the the goofy um, 
BB-8, like the the fake R2-D2, which is voiced by Roddy McDowell, but is so crappy looking <laughs> and so goofy and like played for comedy, it, it ruins the whole movie. Yeah. There's a pretty good actor in The Freshman, um, Marlon... <laughs> Brando. Brando. Yeah, yeah. Marlon yeah. Brando's good. He's like I think that Ralph was... Macchio and Scott Bayo. He's an Italian. <laughs> I feel like that was the first movie where he had the earpiece. I believe <laughs> The Freshman might have been the first Marlon Brando getting his um, lines through a earpiece movie. He's good in it, but um, well, if you method, know that... Because that character probably had hearing problems. <laughs> <laughs> But that was the thing that Marlon Brando would do. Apparently, is is he'd just have have a little earbud, and and somebody would be reading him his lines, and then he would say them. He's like an opera singer, didn't they have the you know an opera? They'd have the guy down in front. Oh right, yeah, yeah, helping out. Yeah, under the he's like in a little box. You couldn't see him from the the audience. Wait, what? Opera singers don't know their lines. <laughs> I think they were just like a director or something. They but they would yeah they'd cue them and stuff. Or, I've just seen that in I, I've never I've seen that in movies or there's some little person sitting in a you know I don't know if they really had those but in Citizen Kane the believe. guy is down there while she's oh, the yeah. second wife right. Susan Foster Foster Kane is singing he's down in that little little box yeah. below the stage yeah but she's a bad singer right right yeah I don't think I don't think Jose Carreras <laughs> needed that guy I'm gonna go God rest his soul I'm gonna believe that Jose Carreras didn't need a little guy. <laughs> Prompter is that what they were called? I don't know. Something. It's like it's like a telepr- yeah. teleprompter, but yeah, it's originally probably, it was, they were probably called prompters. I think and that's then, yeah. what it is. What else have you watched, Jim? Any more? Oh, just Peng Su. I've been watching a lot of Peng Su. <laughs> Not as much lately, but oh, I it's kind of on the same line. Uh, Doctor Katz, professional therapist. You know the oh, old. Oh I, yeah. I was had forgotten how much how great those were. I, I've been going through all those again. Those those are amazing. Obviously, the great guests, you know, the comedians on that. There's so many, such a wide variety of people in, on it. Weird. I'm trying to think who. When they were nobodies, right? I yeah. Mean, well, I, some, think, I yeah. think Mark Maron was on Yeah, it. he was. Yeah. I saw that one. And yeah, it's like everybody. Yeah. And it's great to revisit. Speaking of uh, Dr. Katz, I, I think I watched another season or two of Archer. So that's got, uh, uh-huh. what's his name's voice? The the son in oh, okay. Dr. Katz yeah. is... Uh, is the voice of Archer, which is always good to hear. Right, right, yeah. I'll do rapid fire. Henry Louis Lucas, The Confession Killer, sucked. Uh, (laughs) Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, I liked it. Den of Thieves, awesome. Uncut Gems, hated it. It was actually, actually, Uncut Gems, have you guys seen it? No. I have not. I've seen the other movie by those guys. Good time? Did they do, uh, yeah, yeah. I like that movie supposed to be good i need to see that uncut gems was essentially the gambler uh with the unhappy ending <laughs> wait, wait, wait the gambler has a happy ending but was it the gambler yeah the gambler ends positively right or negatively i guess it just depends on it's how you positive. look at it chris i think i think he wins does he win <laughs> he wins <laughs> i all i remember not to ruin the ending of the gambler is uh, the loud Mahler soundtrack and him cutting his face with a with a pocket knife oh. because he had won, but he still needs to get some kind of just pure visceral pain or right. loss. 
So yeah, he does win, but you you understand that it's not winning is not going to solve anything. <laughs> okay, then Uncut Gems gonna... is essentially the gambler. Then oh. now that now that you remind me of that. But Adam Sandler was okay. Was he okay? Fantastic, great performance. Great. And had great. they rewritten the end of that script, it would have been a great movie. Okay, no, William I'm, Goldman. I'm hard on the scriptwriters today. I saw Jocko the documentary about Jocko Pistorius. Wow. Was that depressing? Yeah, it was frustrating. Somebody had recommended the Trio of Doom record, record which was uh, Jocko and Tony Williams and John McLaughlin, and apparently they they got they were put together as a trio to play the show in Cuba, and then they went to record the songs that they uh, had performed, and they couldn't make it through. The recording session. So the the record came out a few years ago, and it's 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 basically half a recording session because Jocko and Tony Williams got into a fight and they couldn't finish the record. It was like a one day recording session, and and they walked out, and so there's a half a record. RoboCop 2014 saw the saw the remake of RoboCop. It was terrible. Sorry to bother you. Oh yeah, I didn't make it all the way through, but that was not because I didn't like it. I just somehow got. Dis, uh, distracted. I think it it is the one film I'm really struggling with all these class war films. It was the one class war film that I thought was really well done, um, and and very original, and had some really smart things to say about it. It reminded me of like sort of the modern day do the right thing, um, just because it it kind of attacked the topics from both sides where, you know, if you watch do the right thing, I don't, I'm, I'm certainly there's a point of view there and it's, it's coming through loud and clear, but it's also being, uh, there's a lot of empathy in that film. I felt like, sorry to bother you. You had the same. Yeah. And that's, that's always been my kind of take on do the right thing is that it's, it's a much more subtle kind of uh, film, but then the way Spike Lee positioned himself during that time when the film was being promoted. I think it was because he was already doing Malcolm X, so he was kind of in that mindset. It, the film itself is much more nuanced than, uh, you know, because he said some things about Do the Right Thing where it was like, no, this <laughs> this is right, this is wrong. And, you know, it's like, no, there, there's no no gray area here, you know? And, and but every time I watch Do the Right Thing, it's like, no, this is this is a very amazing nuanced discussion of race it was a great nuanced film but the critics came out and thought it and tried to frame it as a film that was going to cause a lot of violence and i it was very racist how it was reviewed and i think then he was like okay fuck this i'm i'm going yeah i'm going to go hardcore publicly yeah at least that's my read and it was well he should because the reviews weren't fair it was a great film uh book smart Oh yeah, I saw that. Loved it. Chernobyl. Oh, oh, you watched that? I, I, I think I mentioned that in some of the one of the episodes I that we've it. recorded. Yeah. Oh, Rick, have you, or so Jim, have you seen it? Chernobyl. No. You should watch it. I, I'm going to make a prediction without going on a diatribe here. I suspect that the current world crisis that we're going on, going through right now, is going to be the Chernobyl of the country that originated. Oh this issue i think you're right it yeah. is definitely our chernobyl yes oh no i don't think it's a u.s chernobyl i, I think, think it is well it's the world's chernobyl 
So you believe in the narrative that our president is selling that that Nancy Pelosi planted the virus? No, what I'm saying is that so Chernobyl is all about, you know, kind of a flawed system, right? And so when you say that, I mean, I, th- I think it, oh. it applies to what's going on now. Sure. And when I say a flawed system, I'm not talking about the Center for Disease Control or the World Health Organization. I'm talking about um, conservative, sort of free market, um, every man for himself, sort of that, that system. I think this is the Chernobyl of that. I think the, the scarier thing to me is that, oh, yeah, we can keep having these disasters happen and then somehow we survive. And, and the thing is, is that it's starting to feel like the disasters are getting more and more complex and more and more scary. And we keep kind of working our way out of it in a heroic way, in a reactive way. But at some point, you can't improvise your way out of a problem once it happens. Right. Well, I think survival is the most powerful trait of the human animal. It's It's been able to survive over almost all other animals because it adapts and figures out how to live. By the way, I, I want to say I am the most straight-edge person on this podcast now. I haven't had a drink since uh, early March, and I don't drink caffeine, so I am not the drug-addled uh, boozer that my 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 co-hosts are. <laughs> and that's that's weird because I've I've started drinking. <laughs> no, not true. But I'm exactly the same. I've been doing, I've been doing just <laughs> steady. Hasn't changed keep, you a bit. Keep steady, yeah, steady as she goes. Just, uh, everything's going along fine. I've even stopped eating meat, mostly. Wow. I, I'm, I've been eating sustainably. I've been eating a lot of duck eggs because I've got lots of duck <laughs> eggs to eat. <laughs> Dolomite is my name. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't watched that. I need to watch that. I loved it. Uh, the Master. Ugh, I hate that movie. I didn't like that, but I really liked Inherent Vice. Inherent Inherent Vice Vice felt like, in the same way that the book felt like a reference to The Big Lebowski, I think the movie felt like that too. Hmm. Hmm. But again, it's like making a Thomas Pynchon movie and you can't make a movie out of The Crying a Lot 49. You got to do Inherent Vice. I didn't understand that. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did read the book you all told me to read, so it took me four months, but I got through it. Uh, can you tell us what it was about? The mixed I don't up, remember. The mixed up files. Of Mrs. Uh, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Right. It was about two young kids who uh, hide out run in, away from home hide to out live in a museum. In a museum. Yeah. 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 The Met, right? Great. Yeah. Great book. Loved it. I'll have to read it again. Yeah. It's it's great. Good recommendation. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and I got through it. It only took me a couple months to get through. Uh, don't now that you've got some time, you can you can get through your young adult fiction. I did that actually on the plane. So that you know, so mm. that all these people are watching me read this like kids book. <laughs> thinking, Oh, what a good dad. He's probably reading that because his son's reading it. Uh, don't fuck with cats. The documentary, don't, don't compelling, hmm. but brutal. Don't watch it. Uh, marriage Story. Oh God, I hated that. Uh, Evil Genius, another true crime documentary. 
compelling but uh, dark. Training Day for the first time I ever seen. Wow, I remember liking that. It was really good. Loved it. Denzel uh, I, Washington. I, it's bad. Denzel Washington, right? Yeah, he won an Oscar. And he, Ethan Hawke. Right. Right. Yeah. Great yeah. film. Uh, the Killer Inside: The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. What is it with you in these? Why would why like? Why would you watch those? Well, that's about an NFL tight end. So, I like football. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You don't have to like football to to find that fascinating. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> I thought it was trash. Uh, I, I I could barely look at the poster for that movie. I love that director too. Danny Boyle's one of my favorite directors. Oh yeah, he's great. Heat, I watched again after watching Den of Thieves. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1917, we talked about the Golden State Killer. It's not over. So again, another <laughs> another true crime. Uh, Parasite, we said we're going to hold off on The Handmaiden, uh, which is just essentially softcore porn disguised as art. Um, the Lighthouse. Uh, oh, I got to watch that. Yeah. I can't wait. I got to watch that. We'll talk about that, too, right? I'm interested in your review of that. Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Loved it. Great film. Really? Wow. Yeah. See, the problem is, is my 11-year-old now wants, I think he was 10 at the time, wants to see that, and it's rated R, right? It's pretty violent. Yeah, it should, that's a movie that should have been PG-13, and they decided to make it an R movie, right? Right, because of Deadpool and all that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's you could you couldn't watch eleven year old shouldn't watch that movie. I don't know. Make your that's, own. I mean, that's I, what I, I said. I watched Taxi Driver when I was ten, and I certainly wasn't a troubled young child. Oh wait, <laughs> um, <laughs> says the person who has whose half half of their list is is <laughs> starts uh, off with the behind words, the, the scenes of a, a serial killer. <laughs> you basically like had a whole subgenre of serial serial killer documentaries that you every time it's it's a quarter of your list <laughs> they I, I every i watch that stuff because i'm so fascinated with it and then i have this sort of i feel like i have a heightened empathy and i just like start to just it just scares the shit out of me and it also makes me feel tremendously bad about myself the whole time i mean i've never serial killed anybody but I just <laughs> i feel like i get where they're coming from and i'm like oh i don't want to know where this person is coming from phantom thread oh that's i saw that i like that yeah, I liked it too. VFW, I watched that in L.A., a limited release film with a bunch of great old 80s action stars. Uh, David E. Kelly was in it. Uh, he was in The Warriors. He played Luther in The Warriors. Also played Luther in 48 Hours. Um, uh, Repo Man, the original film. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Loved it. Rick and I, I have you, we saw that in the movie. You hadn't seen it? We, Rick and I saw I'd that in the it. movie theater, right? I think. Yeah, we mentioned it on one of the podcasts. I think we were the only people who went to see it. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah I'd never seen it. Yeah. Thought it was time. Mm-hmm. Bad Boys for Life. Let me say, as many accolades as that film is getting, it, it, is, it doesn't hold a candle to Bad Boys 2. So if you guys... <laughs> I would say, you know, I know the both of you are looking for this tip. You don't have to see the first Bad Boys. Go straight to Bad Boys 2 and then skip Bad Boys for Life, and you're good. All right, so I won't be confused if I watch Bad Boys 2. 
No, yeah, you don't need to see the first or last film to understand the second one. Sullivan's Travels? Uh-huh. Oh, man, I love that movie. I haven't watched that in forever. It was awesome. Loved it. And then Eep Man 2 and Eep Man 3. <laughs> I remember Eep Man. I don't know if I ever watched any more of them. There's four of them. They're, they're, the second one's fantastic. The third one's good, and the fourth one's supposed to be pretty good, so... Just trying to finish off the Eat Man series. That, that's it for my last <laughs> boy. That was long. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Woo! We got through that. It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of comments reflecting on, on stuff we said in the first episode. Um, and so uh, Rusty um, mentioned that the film I was talking about in the, uh, the Wicker Man episode... Uh, with William Shatner and the Satanists, it's Devil's Reign, hmm. <laughs> which I have not watched, but Rusty watched it. So I'm, next time, so so yeah, so somebody you know else Rusty? made the sacrifice to a sacrifice. Oh, that's funny, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's the Satan worship movie. Um, but the interesting piece of trivia about Devil's Reign is that um, they made a mask of William Shatner for that film. They made a you know, a face, what, what do they call it? A face, face impression of William Shatner's face for Devil's Reign. And do you know what happened with that mask? Halloween. Yeah, they made it into a Halloween mask, a William Shatner mask, and then that was the mask that they used for, yeah, Jason. Wow. Which one is in Halloween? Jason, oh, right? Oh, Michael yeah. Myers. Michael Myers. Michael Myers, sorry. <laughs> I don't, An Illinois again, resident. A, How dare you get that a, wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have seen Halloween. I don't think I've seen uh, uh, the other. What's the other? Is Friday the Thirteenth, Jason? The Friday Thirteenth is a great film. The second one. I, yeah, I haven't seen that. Art. It's by Wes Anderson, right? <laughs> I actually, there's a scene in the second. Is it the second one or the first one? I'll have to figure it out. It, definitely with Bad Boys, it's the second one. But for uh, for the Friday the Thirteenth series, I think it's the second one as well where there's just this amazing Hitchcock-like scene of tension when she's making coffee in the kitchen. We got a quite a few downloads for the first episode. I was pretty surprised. I did boost post it, um, but we got a lot of listeners, and a lot of UK listeners, Jim, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> cool. <that. laughs> They're all like, this Jim guy knows us. He's talking about Children of the Stones. He's talking about Wicker Man. Well, I, I, He's talking about Avery. I can go deeper. Like uh, the other thing I've been watching, or I haven't been, well, I didn't bring it up the first time, whatever we recorded last year, that this episode, the children, well, talking about Children of the Stones, but uh, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Richard Herring's Stone Clearing podcast, which I can't talk about because it's secret. So, but. <laughs> But there's definitely it's, there's definitely some crossover with uh, with uh, Children of the Stones and I don't know and Wicker Man, yeah I think everybody in the UK knows Wicker Man is definitely, I mean people in America know about Wicker Man too obviously but 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 in the UK I think it's a much deeper, it's much more you know much better known and well especially Children of the Stones obviously but, but people I think our age over there it really goes deep people i keep hearing references to people from people about that from their childhood so it really affected people (laughs) 
Well, there's, I mean, there's lots of comments on the, on the social media site that we put up um, from people from Great Britain commenting on the film. There's yeah. one guy that says, I love this film so much that about 18 years ago, I went down to see all the sites where the film was made. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then there's like Isle of Wight still does this. <laughs> right. Uh, lots of great films, excellent films. Where is the one I thought was? Oh, a Cornish Home movie. Cornish Home movie. Now, to me, that sounds like a, a jab, but uh, I don't yeah, quite yeah, understand. Yeah, it. yeah. They're just saying, you know, just yeah, Cornish. Like, you know, this is just run of the mill. This is home movies. You know, just this. This <laughs> would be if you watch people's home movies. That's yeah. That's the joke, right? Yeah. And then uh, somebody writes. Got the DVD free in The Guardian a couple <laughs> years back. Ah. <laughs> Is The Guardian a British rag of some sort? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They do great online reporting now, too. Mm. It's not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is my brother-in-law dated um, uh, a very famous British celebrity, and he was uh, seen... In like Hello magazine, is that one of them? I forget I what it is. Oh yeah, they yeah. had a, a picture of him holding broccoli <laughs> in a in a in a in a um, parking lot of a grocery store. He's like, uh, that's probably the perfect British tabloid experience, where it's kind of just just for a small moment in your life, you get the full impact of the insanity of it, but without knowing that. Oh, for the rest of my life. These people, these monsters, will be torturing me and putting pictures of me up. Right? It's right. like he just had um he he had all the fun of it without the the life destroying characteristics. If he was a, a full time British celebrity, well, and the interesting thing was he was dating her in the states, and so these British tabloids were in the states tracking her, stalking her, taking these pictures. So. He never really felt the brunt of it. It like all would happen overseas. Like so, they all knew who he was in Great Britain. Um, wow. Um, oh, I've got an update. Like at the end end of the the Wicker Man episode, we were uh, talking about Toby Jones, and I was telling talking about his dad. You know, Freddie Jones was the actor the, that was also in Children of the Stones. Right. We were talking right. about Toby yeah. Jones in the Barbarian Sound Studio, whatever. And, but I, I mentioned that he Freddie Jones was still alive, but I think it was probably just a few like a month or two later he died. He died, unfortunately. Oh, oh, Freddie. Not did I say Toby? I meant Freddie, his dad. You know. But I was amazed. Yeah, I yeah. was amazed that Freddie Jones was still alive. But since then, he yeah he passed away. Was he a casualty of this global? No, no, no. Situation. No, this was right after we recorded. This was like last year after we recorded the Wicker Man episode. So, but he was like ninety-one. So. He was, and I remember what I saw him in. He's in uh, the Elephant Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a pretty major character in that. So it was like, oh, that's that's where I saw yeah, him from. Yeah, I had watched that recently. Huh. Well, well, this episode's dedicated to Freddie Jones yeah. and the legacy that he left. <laughs> Ninety-one years old and uh, a, a, an incredible trail of credits. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Freddie. We've come probably to the end of our. Our episode. This you can tell what happens when we don't see each other for a while. We tend to <laughs> we tend to watch a lot of movies. 
and uh, we tend to tend to talk quite a bit. I do. I did miss you too. Uh, although I did have the pleasure of listening to us talk to one another for about ten hours, so that was nice. <laughs> I kind of was like, ah, oh, I can't wait to get some Lido's pizza and nestle up to those two again. Um, <laughs> and maybe after this global situation resolves itself in three or four years, we'll, we can do it. Um, yeah, so we've got seven episodes in the can. After, in, after this first episode, we've got seven more, right? So we got seven months before we have to get back together. So hopefully... We can, like, right. we can work out some kind of... We'll be wearing some kind of suits, you know, those hazmat suits or something yeah. we could do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing will be is if the global situation resolves itself so that we can be together prior to the conclusion of the seven months so that we can start taping yeah. episodes again prior to the end of the eight run and again, shifting the time continuum. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get so crazy. Right. You, Yeah, in fact... When this podcast becomes so popular that we have, you know, just followers upon followers, you know, doing things, you know, fan art, fan fiction, someone will have to draw the timeline of how this all fits together. I imagine it's like the timelines they have on Wikipedia of members of like British rock bands that have been around for 50 Genesis. years, you know, how they have... Yeah, like where they have the mapping out of who was playing what when. It's going to have to be one of those graphs like that, except for just when these episodes were actually recorded. I always find myself going to Wikipedia every three months just to figure out um, Simon Gallup's uh, uh, participation in The Cure. When did it stop? When did it start? When did it restart? I like never can remember, so I always go back and check that because... Uh, He's one of my favorite bass players. Jim, I believe your film is next. Would you like to announce the film? Uh, we watched uh, Runaway Train. F from Or we're going to watch Runaway Train. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I don't understand this time <laughs> thing. <laughs> this whole <laughs> recording, all just recording things yeah. and how they get played back. I don't understand this stuff, but... You're like Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen, right? You're, you're in all moments simultaneously. <laughs> we, are, we are watching Runaway Train <laughs> as we speak. Right now. <laughs> I am watching it with you right now. Lost and Found and Rewound is fully funded by Lost and Found and Rewound Foundation Funds. Lost and Found and Rewound does not use crowdfunding because our listeners have better things to do with their funding. There's no need to post reviews of Lost and Found and Rewound because our listeners have more valuable things to do with their time. In all sincerity, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it.